Amen. So God's good, right? Uh, all the time. I have a, I'm working on a celebration. This is our five-year anniversary of our name change. Now, the church was planted in 1958, half a mile from here, up in the, up in the chapel and the mortuary where we, we meet once or twice a year. But five years ago, we decided to change the name to Grace Church for All People, and we still are Grace, and we still are for all people. Amen? So five years. Uh, Marcus, we, so we have some stuff. Marcus has some candy bars and some uh, and some gum with like five on it. So we're gonna uh, he's gonna give some out. I don't know, if, Joe. You want a candy bar? You like? Boom! Can you catch? Uh, you cannot sue me if you can't catch. Ron, can you catch? You can't sue me if you can't catch. Oh, you're right there. You're right there. Uh, Della, can you catch? Are, are you sure? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Let's try it. All right. Uh, good. Uh, Aaron, I don't know if I can make it that far, but I can make it to Boyd, right over, right up, right over Harold's head. R ready? Boom. Yeah, that was good. I have one left. I'm gonna try, brother. You, duck, duck. I'm gonna try. Boom. It was coming. It, it was coming. It was there. Uh, so, those of you watching online, I hit the rafter and it bounced back, and it's like a Nebraska football pass, just. <laughs> Um, uh, so, hey, hey we, we want to, I'm going to give you some statistics just in the last five years, okay, of what you've done, uh, Grace Church, what you've helped do. Uh, 35,000 salvations in the last five years uh, that we are aware of, okay? 500,000 meals served in the last five years, amen. 50,000 people mobilized and trained on how to train, uh, how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 50,000. $250,000 worth of clothes given away on our block parties and outreaches. Uh, partnered with the campus in Cherokee and planted uh, Sunny Valley uh, downtown in the, the government housing authority. Uh, $3.73 million worth of medical debt paid for by Grace Church for North Carolinians. That's amazing. Downtown campus, we had temporarily open, temporarily shut, now it's going to be reopened. But we got the downtown campus that's, uh, that's going to be a soul-winning machine down there. And many of you know our son Marcus also works for Every Home for Christ, and we partnered together with them. Part one of his main duties is to go out and train people on how to, how to reach. But another thing Every Home for Christ does, and we are a big supporter of theirs, is they plant 89 churches every day worldwide. So think about that for a second. You're part of a church planting movement that is just, that is just crazy good. So Grace Church, thank you. Give yourself a hand of appreciation. Uh, just incredible. And thank you for watching online. We know it's a new world. We know a lot of people uh, watch and choose to watch online. They've gotten that habit of watching online, and, and we respect that. We miss you uh, if you're not in this house. But we also know that there are, uh, you know, a dozen different states that watch us uh, on Sunday or throughout the week. And so thank you as well. We consider you as part of Grace Church uh, also. And so we, we think we're thankful that Grace Church just isn't... Uh, inside the walls at 9.30 and 11 on Sunday, but it goes well beyond the walls. We have uh, uh, the, the supporting of the orphanage in Haiti. Uh, over the last so many years, we planted 16 churches in Kenya. Uh, we have a lot of things that are going on, a lot of things taking place. We're just not what you see on Sunday morning. We're over above that. And again, Grace Church, we thank you so much for the people make up the church. Amen? The church isn't a building. The church is the people in it. So thank you one more time. Uh, and God, God richly bless you. Uh, today's an emotional uh, uh, message, very emotional, very, very hit home. I work my messages up uh, usually somewhere between one and four months in advance. I do the outline, uh, and today's an emotional one. I'll be honest with you, in light of what's happened uh, in the last uh, 27 or 28 days with Janie's father and, and just family, we are... Uh, we're, we're huge family people. We love, uh, we love family. Loved him, loved my family, loved her family, loved our family, loved our kids. Uh, we're all about family. And so when something happens to family unexpectedly, that's just a, a, just a, a gut punch, okay? And so uh, in light of that, uh, when I was telling her about 
my message this week and some of the scripture, we just, we had a breakdown during our devotion. We were crying and, and so there, uh, I, uh, disclaimer, I have the right to cry during this message if I choose to do so. Amen? Uh, don't you think I'm a weakling? I'm going to be strong and show you how a man cries. Because it will happen. It happened the first service. It'll probably happen again this service. Uh, the title of our sermon series this month is Outlander. And a couple of people have asked me recently, what is an outlander? An outlander is a pilgrim. An outlander is someone just passing through. An outlander is someone who maybe doesn't have a home. Uh, an outlander is you and me regarding heaven because heaven is our final resting spot. This is, listen, if you sink too much into this earth, you become too earthly, all right? We have to be spiritual beings to walk through this thing. And so I want you to, to understand that we're pilgrims passing through, and that's important uh, in, in the knowledge of uh, knowing that we have to look out for people. We have to look out for spiritual things. Now, you don't need to be so spiritual that you're not earthly good. Paul tells us that as well. He didn't want to be so spiritual he wasn't earthly good, and he doesn't want to be so earthly that he wasn't spiritually good. There's a, a marriage or a mix between the two. But an outlander is that person who doesn't really have a home. And maybe in today you think, I don't, man, I'm just kind of like, I don't get along with the work people, not because I'm, you know, uh, I'm divisive, but I just, they, they have different ideas than I do. Or maybe people in my neighborhood, they're, they're after different goals than I am. And maybe I'm just the odd man out. Maybe it's just by design that God has you in that that place because you're an outlander. You're a person who is looking at different things for different reasons and different purposes. And then Joshua was an outlander. Abraham was an outlander. Paul was an outlander. Jesus, of course, was an outlander because he came from heaven to earth so that he could make a way for us to get back to heaven. And we're so glad that these men, and there were women of God too, that became outlanders. So for the next few weeks, we'll talk about Joshua. He was a, a seeker. He was a spy. He was a soldier. He was a servant. And of course, he was a slave. And the problem with being a slave is both good and bad. There's disciplines that belong to slaves as getting to work every day. And this is true what Paul said. He was a slave for Christ. But then sometimes in, the, in being a slave uh, to bondage, we don't know that we can break free. Let me say this. In the bondage that you may be in, you can break free of in Christ Jesus. Whom the Son set free is free indeed. He came to make you free, okay? So if you're dealing with a situation, if you're dealing with a habit, if you're dealing with something in your life that you inherently know is not right, Christ came to set you free. It may take a process. It may not be overnight. It may take a while. But as long as your heart is tuned into Jesus and saying, Lord, thank you so much. I'm going to find my freedom in you. You will be. It could be freedom from oppression. It could be freedom from anxiety. It could be freedom from addiction. It could be freedom from anything at all that the, that the world has bound you in, okay, or made you a slave to. You can, be, you can break that freedom. So we're going to go to Exodus first uh, and read out of Exodus. Then we'll read Joshua. Joshua will pray, then we'll go back to Joshua for a moment. This is the, the, the detail of the scripture. It says, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Joseph took them into Egypt to preserve them. 400 years later, this uh, Pharaoh arrived, and he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Let me stop there for a second. I believe this is a particular even till today in the fact that uh, the enemy knows that you could be victorious. The enemy knows that you, your prayer time, your worship time, your study time can be powerful for the Lord. Now, as Janie spoke, and I, and I agree with that, sometimes you'll find a time where, hey, I just can't pray. I got to just sit and be still. Or maybe I just can't worship. I got to sit and be still. Or I, I just can't, I can't read, you know, five chapters. In January, I tried to read 42 chapters a day. There's going to be days where I can't read a verse. It's just, it, I have to pull it out. It, it's everything in me to be able to, to read that one verse or to read the ocean. 
But as a rule, you should be able to pray, you should be able to worship, you should be able to dig into uh, God's guiding word so that you can grab some meat from that, okay? Though, and, but the enemy will say, hey, you're too busy, or it doesn't work, or it doesn't have value, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. That's because he knows you are a victorious warrior, and he doesn't want you fulfilling the promises of God in your life. So we have to know that if he rose up in, in uh, this time of Moses and then soon Joshua and Caleb, he's still arising today even though he's a defeated foe. He is the accuser of the brethren. He lies, he steals, he cheats. He does those things. He doesn't play fair. But you know a God who's overcome through Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? He's a victorious warrior. And we can walk in that we can walk in that victory. Let's go to Joshua 1, 1, 2, and 3. The Bible says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place, everybody say every. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, Barak, willing to do battle, upon I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord. It's timely. Lord, and it's a time, such a time as this. Father, Lord, that we count on you for every situation in our life, physical, spiritual, Financial, mental, emotional, relational, Father, our faith, hope, trust, belief, confidence are in you. We thank you, God, that your word is alive and it's true. Now, Lord, we pray it sinks into our heart today. Lord, as we take notes, as we, as we have images, Lord, as we write things down in our heart, let us know that, Father, you have already gone before us and you are the king. We profess that and believe it in Jesus' name. We pray and the church said amen. Praise God. So Moses... My servant is dead. Let's go to verse 1 again in Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, and let's go to verse 2. We'll kind of camp out there for a second. Moses, my servant, is dead. And in light of what uh, Janie and her family have been going through over the last uh, 27 or 28 days and the passing of her father, like I said, I have my notes planned three months in advance, in many cases my outline, and this, this scripture was part of today's message, and when I was sharing it with Janie this week on how uh, Moses, my servant, is dead, we both had a, a minor meltdown that there's a Moses generation that is leaving us. And you, and, you, and you think of, of great men uh, and women of God or great men uh, and women in business or great men and women in families. I can remember the, the passing of my father over uh, the last six years, how many times I would have liked to have called him just to get history on our family and from his father. How many times already I've wanted to call uh, Janie's dad and ask a question. And it becomes a little bit more important when they're, not there than when they're there. You, you, take, you have a tendency to take uh, people or things for granted until all of a sudden that one day they're not there. And I want to encourage you that in our lives, uh, we, all, we will all have a Moses or a Joshua generation. In fact, sometimes we'll be Moses and sometimes we'll be Joshua. And the things that uh, got us here won't always get us there. And so there's, there's temperaments in our life that we learn, hopefully, from that Mo Moses generation. And to give you some backstory, Moses, uh, uh, through ten plagues, through the act of God, uh, through the, the will and promise of God, led the people out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, and into the wilderness, okay? Their promise wasn't the wilderness, their promise was Canaan which was the promised land, which was occupied by the uh, Hivites and the Hittites and the Jerusites and the Jebusites and all those other ites that were in the land, Amorites, that he had to defeat, but the promise was there. And so after a year in the wilderness, 
uh, God told Moses to send out some spies, not to see if they could take the land, because the promise was already there for them to take the land, but to see how they would take the land and maybe give them a vision of the land so they could see that the land was flowing with milk and honey. Uh, the, the grapes were the size of watermelons. In fact, the Bible records that it took two grown men, and these were giants in the land, it took two grown men to carry one bunch of grapes. Now, that's a lot of grape. That's a, that's a massive grape, okay? And so they were a year in the wilderness. It was an 11-day journey, but they were a year. And the reason they were a year in the wilderness wasn't because God wanted to penalize them. It's that sometimes when we come into Christ, we have to get rid of the baggage of the world that's behind us. And this is what happened with the Israelites is they had so much, they had 400 years of Egypt on them and slavery, bondage. They always thought that this is the way it is or this is how I have to be or I can't function any way differently, that they had to get rid of that. And so they weren't really wandering for a year. They were growing in their closeness to God and their dependency on God, which by the way, if you want to be free, just depend on God. Just depend more and more and more on God, and you'll get further and further and further away from whatever enslaves you, whatever you're in bondage to. And so they were spent a year, and then after a year, Moses sends out 12 spies, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And of course, you know the story if you've been in church any length of time, or in Sunday school, or in children's church, 12 come back, 10 of them are like, we can't take that land. These guys are, are huge. They're giants. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. It's just, it, there's too many of them. There's way more of them than there is of us. And Joshua and Caleb, they came back and they were like, wow, the, the grapes are the size of watermelons. It takes two full men to carry one bunch of grapes. The land truly is flowing with milk and honey. There's mountains, there's green pastures, there's water, there's supply, there's all kind of stuff. We can take this land. Well, Moses listened to the 10 negative spies versus the two positive spies. And so now we know that Moses is dead and, and, and God is ready for Joshua to take the land. And so what we have to know there is a couple things, though, about Moses and about Joshua. You may consider yourself, which I have for a long time, part of a Joshua generation. And maybe you say, well, Moses just doesn't get it anymore. Maybe uh, Moses isn't into the light show. Maybe Moses isn't into, uh, you know, uh, five or six instrument bands. Moses isn't into three or four or five people on mics. Moses doesn't need haze, and Moses doesn't need the, the lights down, and Moses doesn't need all that, and all that is true. And you might say, but I'm Joshua, and we can do it better than, than Moses. But I want to tell you one thing that Moses did for Joshua that Joshua never regretted. Moses taught Joshua how to get into the presence of God. And that's what a Moses generation will do. Moses taught Joshua how to pray. Moses taught Joshua how to worship. Moses taught Joshua uh, the Ten Commandments, in which case he, he got mad at one time and threw them down and broke them. But here, this is the Moses generation that many of us grew up uh, in spiritually. That maybe we didn't understand why they called it a believer's meeting, but that was Moses just training us all. Maybe we didn't understand why we had to go to prayer meeting or we had to have Bible study or we had to have, uh, you know, children's church or Sunday school or uh, take the kids to nursery. But that was part of Moses is laying the groundwork. We've all, if we've been fortunate enough, we can all say, man, thank God for the Moses in my life. Thank God for that man or that woman who decided to pour I, I have plenty of Moses in my life. Well, the, the one great spiritual Moses was Janie's father, no doubt about it. He, he taught me how to pray. He taught me how, how to read the Word of God. He taught me how to believe. He taught me how to have faith. He taught me many things, and sometimes his teaching was hardcore. Sometimes his teaching wasn't, man, you can do it. Slap on the back. We were watching Nebraska football yesterday, and the guy throws an interception. Basically, the end of the game, the coach just kind of slaps him on the back, say, good job, buddy. And Jenny's like, he should have just ripped his head off and slammed it down. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but he's not your dad. <laughs> it's, it, it, we can appreciate the fact that there was spiritual disciplines in our life, those of you who've had a strong Moses in your life. But if you're a Joshua, you have to also appreciate that Moses was there. And I can imagine Joshua's feeling when the Bible says in that scripture, Moses, my servant, is now dead. 
the pressure that maybe Joshua was feeling there for a moment. Could you imagine the man who just did 10 plagues 40 years ago? God called fire down from heaven. There was a pillar of smoke. There was frogs and lice and, and uh flies and all kind of stuff in the land, that this guy that was so close to God that you could feel the presence of God when he walked through the camp, that now he's dead and now it's your mantle. Now you're the one carrying it. Could you imagine the pressure that Joshua felt? And the thing I like about Joshua is even though he came back and said, wait a second, we can take that land, that him and uh, Caleb didn't have a private Zoom meeting or, or meet at Starbucks and say, wait a second, Moses has lost it. He is so old school that we're going to go ahead and take this land by ourselves. Or we're going to start another church. Or we're going to go plant over here. Or we're going to do those things that Moses doesn't get it anymore. He's not in touch. Now, Joshua and Caleb, and I believe the Bible would have recorded it had they done it, they shut their mouths and just kept going on, kept serving. In fact, Joshua kept serving uh, Moses. He kept ministering to him. He was one of his, his servants. And I would say this, if you are of the Joshua generation, don't write off the Moses generation just yet. Don't say that they, they don't know. I had a, a man in my life named Guy Best who I would pick up at the age of 23 years old uh, for 5 o'clock a.m. prayer meeting. That was his request, not mine. And we would go pray for, from 5 to 7 every morning at the house of prayer, Monday through Friday. And at Fridays uh, at 7 o'clock, we would go out to uh, McDonald's and he would buy me breakfast. Now, Mo Guy Best was not a power-packed guy. He, he wasn't like Billy Graham and, and uh, you know, Reinhard Bonnke and, and uh, R.W. Schambach and, and all these guys. He was a guy that just taught a 23-year-old kid how to pray by praying himself, not saying, just go pray. He was showing me. He was leading me. Dr. Charles Kelly, who was the uh, North Carolina uh, superintendent uh, for uh, 26 years, and he was the in office for 46 years, a great, great man of God, uh, always pressed. In fact, he looked like he himself came from the dry cleaners. Shirt, shirt was, I mean, he, I've never seen a wrinkled shirt on that guy. Landon, you know what I'm saying. Uh, the, the clean cut. But, but at 80, still preaches out five times a month, and he taught me how to take notes. The guy's got a couple doctorates. He's got master's degrees. He's more educated than most of this room put together. Yet when I would preach, he would be down there taking notes. And I'm like, why are you taking notes? I asked him one time, Dr. Kelly, why do you take notes? Well, I want to learn something. He was a Moses, still a Moses. The nice thing about Moses is you can glean a lot from him, and Joshua gleaned a lot from his Moses. But when Moses dies, all of a sudden that Joshua crowd gets that mantle placed on them. And when that mantle is placed on them, if they're not ready for it, it becomes very, very heavy. And let me say this, you're never ready for the mantle. It just happens, it shows up. The mantle appears. Why? Because for every Joshua or for every Moses crowd, they'll bring Joshua crowd to their promised land. That's what Moses did. He brought the Joshua crowd to the promised land. He did not go in the promised land. He had some bad judgments ahead of time. He got to see the promised land. And so the Moses generation isn't necessarily going to, going to go into the promised land with the Joshua crowd, but they'll lead the Joshua crowd there. And what got you there won't get, won't get, what got you here won't get you there. In other words, it was the plagues that got them out of Egypt all right? It was wandering, but it was manna that sustained them in uh, the wilderness. And now all of a sudden, when uh, Joshua crosses over the Jordan and those water part, uh, the manna is going to stop. They have some battles to fight, and this is the promised land. So the Joshua generation has to know that there's battles ahead. There's, if you want revival the way Moses saw it, you're going to have to pray for it. You're going to have to worship for it. You're going to have to read your Bible for it. You're going to have to lay hands on the sick so that I will recover. Because frankly, I get tired of hearing yesterday's testimonies. I'm ready for some fresh manna today. I'm ready for new manna. I'm ready for new prayers. And by the way, some prayers don't get answered the way we want them answered. But Joshua was at this place, and so he's not going to complain. Him and Caleb are rock solid, all right? It's not the way we want it, but we're going to serve. We're going to serve Moses. And all of a sudden, because they served Moses,
Moses, their generation they entered in, now they become the Moses of that generation. In fact, Joshua says in the 24th chapter, I believe it's the 15th verse, you go ahead and serve the gods of your fathers if you want, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He's laying it down. He's saying, right now, I'm Moses. And I understand what got us here won't get us there, but if you want to get there, you're going to have to serve God. And I say that to today as Grace Church celebrates its fifth anniversary of a name change, is that, church, we have to understand that the, there are great saints uh, in the world today that are passing on over to their their to their victory, and the Joshua crowd, such as myself, maybe we're becoming the Moses, and we have to accept that mantle. If we don't accept the mantle, then we don't live a lineage. We don't live a legacy. And it's important because Joshua understood what it was like. And I can imagine, again, the pressure that had to have been placed upon him when he saw, Moses is gone. I, I can't go talk to Moses. I can't make that call anymore. I can't ask what they think about that question. And maybe you're in that spot today. Or maybe just maybe you're the Joshua crowd that says, hey, that church, church is going to look different. Yes, it might. And Canaan was different than the wilderness. The promises are different than different people. You've maybe been given a promise by God for a certain ministry or a certain situation or a family member coming to know Christ. You need to hang on to that promise. And maybe Moses moves on. And I know many people, even in our congregation, has lost a parent this year, a father or a mother, someone really close, a family member. And maybe that brings you to a new spot in life like, wow. Now, now, now they're going to be calling me for advice or you for advice. Or maybe they're going to be calling you become that, that mantle bearer, that, that Elijah, if you will, or that Elisha, or that Moses or Joshua. And, and some of you pick up that mantle with grace, and some of you have been fighting that mantle. Like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, it's not my time. Can I say this? It is, and God will walk you through that time. It is your time to bear that mantle. Is your time to pick it up. Your Moses might be gone. But I think in the church world over the last 30 years, what we've had is a lot of Moses and a lot of Joshua's that have, have resented the mantle and not picked it up at all. No, I don't want that. I don't want that crazy church stuff. I don't want that, that, that crazy church world business. Because there's a lot of mean people in church. I always used to think they were in the world until I got into church. No, they just all come to church. Not Grace Church, they go to other places. <laughs> we accept all people. <laughs> Moses died. What are you going to do? Joshua says, I'm going to take that land, give me three days. And then he didn't, he didn't ask for volunteers. He went through and said, hey, I need all you guys to get ready, get your provisions. In three days, we're crossing over, and we're going to take that land. I've waited 40 years for this promise. This promise is God's. Now, I'm here to tell you that if you're a Moses generation, your primary goal needs to be to help the younger generation get to the things that God's promised them. And if God's still got promises for you, if you help someone else get to their promise, he will show you what that promise is, and that promise will be fulfilled. I think we serve, if we're not careful, even in the church world, we serve a generation that only cares about myself me, myself, and I, but in the kingdom living, it's all about the next person. It's all about the next lineage. It's all about the next line. It's all about the next legacy, and we need to be careful that word, that the Moses, whoever you are, if you're a Moses here, that you look to the Joshua's and say, hey, even if that promise doesn't come, that God's promised me, I want it to flow through you. I want it to go through you. This is important. It's important to know that those promises, all the God's promises are, are yes and amen. Now, you can see it. You, you can, I, I got a feeling that that Moses was a good encourager. And the reason I say that is because if you read uh, Numbers, the 27th chapter, God says, hey, we need to, we need to pick a successor. You're not going to make it through the, the promised land. We need to pick a successor and, uh, and, and, and see if we can't uh, get, line somebody up. And Moses and God, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, Moses and God come to an agreement that it's going to be Joshua. 
And I'm guessing that in their private time, Moses is saying, Joshua, this is your call. You can do it. You're going to cross over. Here's why I can't cross over, but you're going to do it. And I think the Moses generation needs to encourage the Joshua generation, come on back, worship team, that you can do it. It's time. It's time for the Joshuas to stand up and not discard the Moseses, but appreciate the Moseses because of the mantle that the Moseses are wearing. Moses had a tough job leading a million and a half people in the wilderness for 40 years in a tent community, in a society where there was no hospitals, no uh, convenience stores, no gas stations, no nothing. And he was a leader among leaders, and Joshua realizes this particular day, now it's on me. Now it's my turn. I wish I'd have taken better notes. I wish I would have asked more questions. And if you're a Joshua today, the one thing, let me give you a, a, a key thing that Janie and I have done for our whole married life, and that's to honor the Moses generation. For 41 years of marriage, we have honored the Moses generation. However they look, even if we didn't agree 100%, we honored them. So that if and when our term ever came, and I didn't realize at the time when that mantle was placed on us, or placed on our loved ones, or placed on someone else we knew, that we would recognize what the Joshua generation looks like. If you're a Joshua, can I say this? You don't know everything. <laughs> That's okay, you don't have to. But you need the encouragement of a Moses to say it's gonna be good. One thing I've recognized from my father-in-law is he liked to exaggerate. You'd have thought Jane and I were the greatest pastors in the world and have the largest church in the whole world. Like we were right up there with Hillsong and Joel Osteen. We'd go back to Omaha, I oh, heard all about your church, heard all about this. Who'd you hear that from? I, well, you know, Jess. And, and, it's, and we have a great church. I, I read you the statistics. We have great, wonderful things. We have the most amazing people in the world. But I think it was just his sense of encouragement and being able to say, and I think that's what Moses does. Moses is the encourager because he knows Joshua is going to be the one that actually takes the land. So if you are of a Moses generation, whatever that looks like age-wise, continue to encourage the Joshua generation because, yes, we will need them at some point in time. I learned so much from my father. I learned so much from Janie's father. I learned so much from her grandfather. I didn't know my grandfathers that well. I learned so much from uh, her grandfather. And I think when he passed, I didn't the mantle that was passed to her father. I didn't understand the pressure that he probably was under. And had he told me, I probably would have prayed for him differently. Because when you become a Moses, you feel the weight of everybody. And this is, I think, why the scripture says in the New Testament, cast all my care, your cares upon me because I care for you. And so what I want to challenge Grace Church with today is this. It's important that you're either a Moses or a Joshua. If you're a Joshua, don't know everything. Learn some things from Moses. If you're a Moses, be an encourager to those that are, are coming behind you. Be an encourager to your kids, your grandkids, your, your, the young people in our congregation. Be an encourager. Even if it's sometimes they don't know everything, encourage them. Be part of them. Be with them. Show them. Help them. I'm going to close with a story out of 2 Kings. I believe it is Elisha. When Elijah went up, uh, to be with Jesus. He was one of two men that did not die scripturally, Enoch and Elijah. Elijah went up in the chair of the fire and Elisha says, I want a double portion. And Elijah said, when I leave this earth and my coat falls to the ground, you pick the mantle. And so the mantle is there for you to pick up either as a Joshua or a Moses. And Elisha asked for a double portion. Well, Elijah did seven miracles, biblically speaking, in his lifetime. Elisha did 13, so almost double. Anyways, he was closed. And they buried Elisha, and they wrote down his miracles. And then one day, there was a battle, and one of the guys had died in the battle, and there was an army coming over the hill. They didn't have time to ceremoniously bury this person, so they threw him on a grave that happened to be Elisha's. 
Elisha has so much God in him still that when those dead bones hit that grave, it came back, they came back to life, which was the 14th miracle in Elisha's ministry, which gave him exactly double portion of what they were asking, what he was asking for. So stand with me today, because here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to dare God. I want you to believe God. I want you to proclaim to God that you get a double portion of whatever Moses is in your life. If you're a Joshua, if you're a Moses, pray a double portion over somebody's life. I hope that our boys and our grandsons and daughters have much, much, much more ministry that we do. I pray it's a double, triple portion. I think that's part of legacy is that we raise up a group of people that says, wait a second, you don't have to be second best. You don't have to be second rate. And you can still see miracles today. You can still see healing. You can still. And so when Elisha's in the grave and those dead bones hit that body and he comes back to life, it can still happen today. He was no different than us. Moses, no different than us. Joshua's no different than us. It's just that, that maybe they wanted a little more. So I'm going to challenge you right now, if you are comfortable doing so, raise your hands up towards heaven. If you're watching online, raise your hands up or at least raise your heart up. Maybe you're in your workplace or maybe you're in a cafe and you, you feel different. Just raise your heart up and say, God, I want a double portion. Lord, if you're raising up Joshua's, raise up Joshua's. God, if you're raising raise up Moses. God, I, I need you right now to raise up a generation that will teach others how to pray, teach others how to worship, teach others how to read their Bible, teach others how to be knowledgeable in the Word, teach others how to evangelize and win souls for the lost. Why? God's not churchy. God, that's your principle, that we can too take the pr promises of God and they will be yes and amen. So Father, if we're Moses, let's help us lead the Joshua generation to their promised land. And Lord, if we're Joshua, us, help us to respect the Moses generation and glean from them and learn from them. And when it's our time to pick up that mantle, and so, Lord, not that we can brag, but we can see, Lord, the success that you have for us. Father, we speak life right now to every person here, every person hearing my word. Lord, let them call them, Father, Lord, to be a Moses or a Joshua. Father, parents, Lord, that they can be Moses to their kids and lead them the way they should go so that when they're old, they will not depart thereof. I speak specifically, Lord, even to Janie and her sisters and brothers. Let them bear that mantle, Father. Lord, let them bear that mantle, Father. Lord, let it not be so heavy that it weighs it down, but let it be light. I speak to Joshua's in this crowd, younger people. Lord, let them be fiery. God, let them be bold. Let them be eager. Father, Lord, let them, let them run with endurance this great race, Father God. I speak, Father Lord, to our, to our children and our children's children, Father. God, Lord, let the blessings of God be on them. Lord, let them respect and honor the lineage that's been prepared, be prepared for them. Lord, to use them, God, I pray, every step of the way. Father, we declare that. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Well, I think that's appropriate on this five-year anniversary of Grace Church, kind of projecting to say, you know what, we're going into the future, that we're going to make an impact in this community and in this nation and all around the world, amen, that we are not here in and of ourselves just for ourselves. We are here as a body of Christ because of those that have gone on before us, because of the Moses, because of the grandpas, because of everybody else. And we exist not just for the people here that are here today, but we exist for the next generation, for my children and for their children. Amen. So wherever it is that you fit in that equation, and you might be a Moses to somebody and a Joshua to somebody else, wherever you fit in that, I just encourage you to take your place and to remain faithful and to stand and to charge forward and doing what God has called you to do. Amen. Amen. So with that, let's just close in a word of prayer and ask God's blessing upon you and, and upon this week. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we had together to gather together in your name. We thank you, Lord, that you met us here in this place, Lord, as we exalted you, as we praised you. Lord, we ask that you would help that to continue on through the rest of the day and this week. Lord, we thank you for Grace Church, Lord, this uh, lighthouse in this community, Lord, and as we continue to shine your light, Lord, that we will continue to do that for many years, decades, and even generations to come. Lord, we honor the past, and we thank you, Lord, for those that have laid the foundation and the groundwork, even those that laid the foundation in this uh, establishment, in this organization, but Lord, even more so, those generations that have gone by, Lord, uh, going back to, to Jesus when you walked here on this earth, even going back to Moses and earlier, but Lord, we ask that this is not the end, that this is just the beginning. Lord, we declare that the best is yet to come. God, we know that you are for us, and so we declare who can be against us. Lord, we speak to the dry bones to live today. Lord, we speak that life in this community and in this nation and in this world, Lord. I pray that you would empower us in your spirit to do what you've called us to do. We pray all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.